Make one big call today that delights you. One call that comforts you. One call that puts you on another level. Make one big call now and switch to Super Value Insurance. You'll get a great price on the home cover you need. Plus, you'll get 40 euro in rewards. So make one big call to 1890-111111. And our customer care team will quickly take care of the rest. That's one big call to Super Value Insurance. 40 euro in rewards includes two 10 euro or 40 euro spend vouchers and 20 euro worth of real rewards points. Contents only excluded. This home insurance is underwritten by AXA Insurance DAC. Super Value Financial Services DAC. Trading as Super Value Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. everybody and welcome back to series two of the podcast. Now we are about to have our second return guest on this series. Uh, the first was obviously ESG uh, who was fantastic and now we've got Mr. James Haskell who undoubtedly will be less fantastic because he's so mouthy and annoying. Well I mean basically I just got a phone call saying listen our ratings aren't going as well can you come and save the day again and get the highest rated show and I was like do you know what for you my love I absolutely can do that and help you out because you know. We did actually have the highest rated episode of the first series. Mm, you're welcome. We, I think we had 100,000 listens and um, under under you everybody kind of hit anywhere between 80 to 90,000 so well what, done that's what you get you know when you're paying the big money I mean, you're not paying, you're not me paying anything. you exactly. it's, it's, disgrace. it's absolutely disgrace I mean you know but I do get absolutely loved on with kisses and various other things you're not in a crude boy. way Go, just so I think we need to just be very clear here with everybody that um, James and I have just had a two hour car journey up to London um, off the back of our anniversary weekend mm. which was amazing where lots of alcohol was was consumed and I got really car sick so I'm slightly out of sorts right now James I'm probably going to let you kind of <laughs> take the lead on this one Excellent. <laughs> I think the first thing we have to get out of the way is the old jungler mm. yeah talk to us about that how is that for you my friend um do you know what it's a bit of a roller coaster of emotions I mean I've cried more in the last uh, month and a half in the remaining 34 years of my life, which were um, all the past in, 34 years of my life. I was saying after you got out that um, that uh, in, in five years of being with you, I've seen you cry twice. Mm. No, hang on. It was the day after you got out. I'd seen you cry three three times, and two of those three times was when you just got out of the jungle. Yeah. Why was it so emotional? I just think um, you were put into a, a situation where you were starved, which I think is obviously probably appropriate to talk about on, on, on this you know podcast, the podcast, the number one guy for your nutrition and training needs. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and I think, uh, you know, for me, that was, it was very, very hard. You know, we were sort of told um, that we were having kind of 700 calories minimum per day. Uh, and as you will discover, and as most people who listen to this podcast will be aware of, people in mainstream life and mainstream media know absolutely <laughs> nothing about nutrition but people in tv also lie people in tv <laughs> don't know anything about nutrition my camp mates 99 percent of them knew absolutely nothing about nutrition so much so that at one point i won't mention their name they were um saying to me that they're going to come into the jungle and, and go on a diet and we're going to lose a load of weight and i was like you do know that you're already in a massive calorie deficit here just eat what you're given no no i'm going to eat less than i'm given 
and then lo and so behold, there were they... people in there who were already on starvation calories who were still not eating yeah. to lose weight. Yeah, and there were, you just... yeah, there were people... I don't name any names. I won't name any names, but they, but they thought that that was a good plan. So they were eating less than they were already given, and what they were given was already horrific. So basically, I, I was eating what I was given, and for the most part, I was on 200 to 300 calories a day. And if we won stars, that would be topped up to a maximum of 700, 800 yeah, calories. See, this is what I found interesting, which obviously I was in all the meetings with you before you went to the jungle, because... <laughs> Because you're a serial uh, killer uh, yeah, and a stalker, I'm and I'm not allowed that. Yeah. No. Um, and I did find it interesting that they, they think they said bare minimum you would be on like 800 um, without the stars. And then I saw you hold up the rice and beans, uh, and I was like, that's about 300. Um, so that's bare minimum. And then when you guys won the stars, you got you got a really small portion of protein and veg. So I was like, well, we'll just add. F- it will be less than this, but you know, let's just say another 200 onto that. That's a good day of 500 calories. Mm, mm. And I was like, when I watched you kind of towards the end before you got voted out, I watched your face just every day looked markedly different. And I actually found I started to feel upset watching it. And I found it quite difficult to watch. And it's so funny because like from a from an objective perspective, everybody's like, oh, my God, this is so much fun. This is so exciting. Your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your partner, whatever is, is in the jungle. Um, and I would say without a shadow of a doubt, every single person staying in the Versace Hotel as a friend or family member found it incredibly hard to watch you guys on there because I don't think you realise, unless you're really invested in the person that's doing it, how much of a real physical and mental challenge it is. And it's hard to watch somebody you love go through that. Whereas I think just as a viewer, it is funny and it is entertainment. But I really struggle to watch you. Yeah, I mean, I think... Essentially starve. I was watching you starve. Yeah, I just think what was very interesting is that, um, you know, I've tried um, fasting, um, you know, for 24 hours to build up to... You know, for kind of health benefits, and we've done you know finishing eating at seven o'clock at night and starting at seven in the morning again to give the digestive system a rest and all these kind of little things. But nothing could prepare me for slowly starving. And it actually, on a number of levels, without sounding crass, it, it showed me a how lucky we are in this in this country. In this, I know there's plenty of people starving in the UK um, that you know have free choice over when I eat and how I eat and what I eat. I think was amazing. A how much wastage. We we throw away. You know, we were drinking vegetable water. We were, you know, eat put boiling oh, yeah, up skins. Yeah, Roman said that you were drinking vegetable water, pretending it was tea. Yeah, yeah, and we were and we were boil, we, you know we were taking the skins of things that we couldn't and boiling them up, and you know, putting fruit in rice and doing everything we could do. And uh, you know, I was eating everything. I was sucking the sockets off bones. Um, you know, oh, cartilage, everything. Yeah, I was trying to do everything I James could do. James hasn't to seen any any episode or anything actually in the car on the way here. One of our friends just referenced him saying that he preferred food to sex. Yeah. and James was like, wait. What and I was like, oh yeah, thanks for that. Give me yeah, because yeah, what you need to do is, is like, have a big feed, then do a job. You, you know, I'm going to do a job and then not eat. You can't. Think, no, no, look, all of you said chose food, so it's yeah. okay. I did. It didn't. It didn't sting too hard. Yeah, it wasn't it was a slight on you, decision. babe. But I would have. And if I hadn't eaten properly, then what kind of state would I be in? I wouldn't be able to perform. You know, what was interesting with with the food stuff is that I, I I noticed my body just shutting down, and that was the hardest thing. You know, from being. I very, saw that. Yeah, but the day before you had your <laughs> angry <laughs> your meltdown. Yeah, plural. Well, not my. You, Melt, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even a meltdown. Again, you know what James I mean? hasn't seen the episode, so I don't think he realizes. But I, but I knew that it was going to happen. A hundred percent knew because the episode before, all you did was sleep, and I was like, "Oh, there we go." His body shutting down, trying to conserve as much energy as humanly possible. And I did think to myself, within the next forty-eight hours, 
someone's going to say or do something that annoys him and he's really not going to be able to keep his mouth shut. But the interesting thing with it was, you know, I, I was, um, you know, when we were in lockdown, so what people don't realise, you fly to Australia, you have kind of five days before you start filming, you film that intro sequence over three days, then you kind of go into the jungle and that and that's it. But obviously for those five days I was training, I'm doing my MMA stuff at the moment, very, you know, very cardio heavy. You know, my Apple Watch, you know, the minimum kind of calories I'm burning for the hour session is a thousand calories. Uh, you know, so I'm working very hard. I was in great shape. By the time. I don't think it, I've ever burned a thousand calories in a workout, ever. We'll just come work with the big boys and we'll, we'll help you out. Oh, or, right. or big girls. It's 2019. <laughs> Everything's equal. Um, and, uh, you know, basically, I, I would go and you know, go and do all this training and I felt brilliant. But then when I would get into the jungle, I would walk up the stairs from collecting water. And because I'm a doer, I don't like, didn't want to ever tell my campmates to do anything. I didn't want to order anyone around. If people didn't want to do what they were supposed to do, then that was on them. I didn't want to be that bossy person. I know I, people said I was, but sometimes you've got to make decisions in life. And in, I don't think you're bossy at all. No, but I think I've been look, with you five years and I don't think you're no, remotely bossy. I, just I think, think you, you have low tolerance levels. Absolutely, in every context of mm. your life, but I would never in a million years call you bossy. No, I just I just think it's one of those things that you've got to make decisions sometimes. And, uh, you know, you always see it on those TV programs, other programs where, for example, like the the beach or the island or whatever, where they, they spend all day traipsing across to find the perfect location. And somebody goes, right, listen, we really need to get camp. And you hear this voice at the back going, who put you in charge? <laughs> it's like stuff like that, shit like that. I would just be like, well, love, I'm not, I just can't. Like, do you want to starve or what do you want to do? Right. And everyone goes, well, you know, who put you in charge? Everyone does an opinion I'm like listen I've heard your opinions for half an hour let's get some shit let's make some shit happen here and that's what I just how I am yeah, I didn't realise obviously I completely depleted my glycogen and my muscles people didn't realise as well that everybody goes everybody was starving you're like listen I was oh I- that was my like that was the thing that really annoyed me when I when I basically was saying oh you know he's just really hungry and his tolerance levels are low and you know, you're probably a bit mentally all over the shop right now. And everyone was like, well, all of them are starving. I was like, okay, but you have to understand that on a base level, our nutritional and caloric needs are different from person to person. And obviously, the bigger you are, the taller you are, the more mass you have, the more you need. So the way that James will feel on 300 calories a day will be extremely different to the way Kate Garraway would feel mm. on those calories. And also... Yeah, I mean, you know, you take into you take into account your muscle mass, the fact that you're actually carrying around a lot. You might not have a lot of body fat, but you're carrying around a lot of weight when you move. Um, what are you? You're like 19 stone, yeah, and, well, and you and you are a big ball of muscle. Anyone who's ever met you is like, holy crap, <laughs> he is he's something to, it's to look of a terrible at. Chat. <laughs> yeah, and that. But you, um, yeah, of course, that means if you're walking up and down stairs and lugging water around everywhere, you are going to feel a lot more challenged. Um, and I, yeah, I really felt for you, babe. I actually wanted to ask you um i know there was a gym in there we didn't see any footage mm. of any of you training did you train yeah so i did i mean uh, the issue was that for the first nine days uh, I, I i you know i felt okay i started to get more diminished um you know hydration again the size of me i require a lot of water so yeah. can eight i was praying by the way that you weren't training no, well, I, so basically what happens is because I, 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 of the, the, the hydration thing, I always ended up drinking about 15 canteens of water a day. I found my campmates <laughs> were drinking one canteen over 24 hours. And again, I was kept saying to people, listen, you've got to drink. And yeah. then, and then the, 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 the producers intervened and were like, listen, you've got to be drinking four minimum. People still weren't doing that. So I was... Yeah, I, was just... I, I was watching it thinking like they can survive on no food, although it will be horrific, but you can survive a long time not eating. Yeah. 
you can't survive not drinking water, no. not being high. And I was like, I really... And at one point, somebody in production told me that the reason that you looked the way you looked, which was like you were starving, was because you were dehydrated. And I thought in my head, he would not do no. that. He's too intelligent no, no, I was, I was, I was on it. Like I was, and basically, we had, they put a board in there where we started chalking off how many waters we were having. And I was having, you know, 11 to 15 canteens a day, uh, which is probably around about eight litres, just constantly drinking. I was constantly boiling it, preparing it. Uh, camp, other campmates weren't. And, and, you know, they obviously ultimately paid the price and started to understand that they had to drink the water. But they didn't give you any salt, did they? No, no. So we had no salt so, in there. So, I mean... I mean, we just started. We just started um, cramping all the time. So Caitlin, myself, Ian, Milo. Yeah, I mean, you know, we did nothing in the food, so we didn't season anything. So look, I I think it's really important to understand that it was a massive privilege to be on that show, and it's an incredible show. You know, fourteen million viewers. I was very lucky. You know, I went in there. You know, uh, an average rugby player and came out a slightly more well known (laughs) average rugby player. But it was, it was, you know, it was a good journey. But things like, you know, when you know about nutrition and health, if you're oblivious, so if you're a Daily Mail reading person who believes that anything they read is the truth, you know, cauliflower is going to give you cancer. Oh, it doesn't. It saves your life. Oh, let's drink red wine. Actually, don't. I did a diet where I ate donuts every day and it saved my life or whatever crap they're talking about at that particular time. When you know it and you watch yourself eating and you're going, I'm having four spoonfuls of rice for breakfast, four spoonfuls of of beans at at lunch, and then I'm having crocodile feet with limited fats, load of vegetables and a fruit with a little bit of sugar in, and you're going, there's no calories here. It, it, It was very hard. Then when I started to get very dizzy, so getting up, I, I you know, black, started to black out a bit, get dizzy, had to sleep all the time. You know, I couldn't control my emotions at, at, at points. I managed to. You know, people think that I was snappy. I mean, you've seen with my lucky wife. You see me snap. You know, that that was just a difference yeah, was, of opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I you know if I do I go, you know about funny. it. Yeah, I did find that. Like you obviously had, you had a bad day and you had some moments definitely but also the but moments were done like, for the greater good of the, the people you know no, what I mean it I, was no, I mean I totally understood exactly where you were coming from every time and I just it was funny to me though because I was like this is a professional rugby player turned fighter like I think if he really lost his temper well I mean I was just <laughs> maybe it would be a little I mean, bit I, yeah I'm not that polite normally uh, and also just like you know the fact that uh, whenever I spoke to him I was made sure I was lying down or I was out of the way because I didn't you know I was impressed with that because so the thing is with James historically and I think anyone out there who has um, a large physical partner will know that when they lose their temper, which everybody does and everybody gets into arguments, but it looks so much worse when you're six foot two, three, four, five, you know, 18, 19, 20 stone of muscle, it looks so much more intimidating and aggressive than it actually is. So like James and I have had arguments in public before where I've literally just sat there and been like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm super annoying. Um, while he stood there like getting really, really angry with me because I'm winding him up. And his friends will be like, look, I totally get you guys are having one of your super cool arguments, but it looks really bad, James. Like, you just need to sit down because otherwise it just looks really overwhelmingly intimidating. And I was so proud of you that when I could tell that you were getting frustrated, and I don't think you lost your temper, but you did get very frustrated and kind of agitated. I was very proud of you that I did notice you were always sat Mm. down. And the only time you stood up and you actually had a moment, you were alone with Andrew. Yeah, and I walked off the toilet. He followed me to have a (laughs) chat. To have yeah. a chat, and I was like trying to have a minute on my own. Um, but I think, look, Wait, sorry, so back, so you didn't train. That's no, so right. No, I did. So basically, when we, we had the training, we had we had a boxing bag, and we had these other bits and pieces. Miles um, 
of Raksu fame was, you know, big into his training. We would do skipping, we'd do a bit. The first few days, I went quite hard in the gym. I did a few circuits. Um, I tried to use the punch bag, but the floor was covered in roots, so I was almost tripping over myself. So I took the bag off, lay it on the floor, did some ground and pound stuff, did a lot of skipping. Uh, I used to go down every day with Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin was um, recovering from shoulder surgery. I taught her a load of banded stretches that I'd got from the book Supple Leopard, which is fantastic for mobility. Oh, with, that's, uh, I recommend Kelly that in, um, yeah. in Transform Your Body with Weights. I recommend that book, thanks to you. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's an amazing book. So I, I took her through that, gave her some stre- shoulder strengthening exercises that, the, that the, the team at London Shoot Fighters has given me for resistance for, for my stand-up game, being able to hold my hands up. So we trained the whole time. I did mobility. But then I started to train every other day. And, so, and some days I could only go down there and do 10 minutes. And I'd do a little bit of mobility, a bit of shoulder stuff, practice my skipping. Caitlin took the, the actually invented, because the floor was so uneven, full of stones and rocks, you know, brought down one of the covers from our mattress and made like a whole platform for us. She was like brilliant at arts and crafts, yeah. like, you know, sharp. I got an A in sharp. Um, so she was brilliant at that. So we did train. Uh, Miles probably trained more than I did. But I was hanging by the end of it. I, mean, I literally mean I would walk up, go down, get a bucket of water, stop at the pump, out of breath, like my vision was going, fill the water out, walk to the top of the stairs and lie down and go to sleep. And, go, and I just couldn't, yeah. I couldn't function. So we talked about this on the first series of the podcast. Um, and obviously this series is more focused on weightlifting because my latest book is a weightlifting book. But um, yeah, it's interesting. You, you kind of know what to look out for if you know about this kind of thing. I could see like, your body was fighting you tooth and nail to conserve energy and you went from being active and you went from being like even just like gesticulating being loud like talking a lot you just slowly 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 over the course of the what two three weeks that you were in there started to sleep a lot um go a lot quieter uh people were saying like oh i think they're editing out like his big personality and i was like no i think his big personality is being subdued because he's starving Mm. um I could it turns just out see. they did edit out some of my big personalities <laughs> as well, but that's another story for another day. I could just see you slowly, your body basically, yeah, slowly doing everything it could to to basically keep you sweet. And funnily enough, your body probably would have readapted and readjusted. I talk about this a lot, you know, metabolisms are adaptive um, and, and kind of, they kind of will adapt downwards or upwards depending on your dietary intake or your expenditure. Um, and eventually, to be honest, I think you probably would have hit a new kind of level and you would have come back up again, but then it would have kept happening um, and that's what happened in a fat loss phase as well when you're you're pushing your body to shed body fat um, you will find that you have days where you really really struggle where you do feel tired where you do um, feel starving you just want to sleep all day long and then your body your metabolism will kind of hit a new set level and reset and you'll be fine again Um, but it will continuously happen basically until you reach the end of your fat loss phase which is why again I frequently say six months tops and then you need to start to come out of it slowly start to eat more and increase that metabolism which brings me nicely on to my last jungle question how are you feeling now you're back and you're eating and are you back in training i mean obviously i know all of this mm. but other people yeah know. no so so i walked out the jungle um and i was starving you know they basically said go easy um i was absolutely not i smashed a massive fried <laughs> breakfast six pieces of bacon four eggs Muffins, granola, porridge, beans, sausages, coffee. You filled my jungle, Chloe filled my jungle hat with biscuits for the ride home. <laughs> I don't know if they showed that on the leaving show. Got back in. I, I, I made and invented in a patterning a pizza cake with a four layered pizza. We had the two top pizzas there, a load of Coronas. Then later on in the afternoon, I had a cheese board and a banana bread. And then before bed, I had a truffle risotto and a Corona. And that was on day one. And I basically haven't stopped eating like that since. I, I, I've, I've started tracking again. We've adjusted my calories, or Chloe has. So I'm tracking again in my fitness pal. Um, so I told James, and some people might find this helpful, um, if you are 
forced into a starvation diet like that or you force it upon yourself let's say you're a fitness model or you're a competitor or whatever it is um you've got two options when you reach the end of your diet where you can either do what you call a reverse diet where you slowly and gradually over the period of a few weeks and months work your way up from the calories that you are on um up 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 slowly 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 kind of on a weekly basis to uh, your maintenance calories or if you want to go into a surplus because you want to build muscle or you have a performance well fine work your way up or there's something called the recovery diet which is basically the exact reverse of that where you immediately go into really high calories to basically satiate your your body and also um your your kind of your mental the mental state of being in a in a starvation uh, phase like that uh, it, it can be really hard to slowly and gradually work your way up and what happens is you can't adhere to your numbers and you basically end up binging restricting binging restricting and around and around you go so the recovery diet is a, is a better idea for the mental state where you start your calories a lot higher and then kind of give yourself as long as you need usually you know a few weeks um, and then slowly come back down to a maintenance number so I said to James when he came out which one do you want to do after a couple of days of not even thinking about that and he said, I want to work my way up. And it became really clear within a matter of hours, <laughs> literal hours, he was not going to be able to do a reverse diet and that we'd have to do a recovery diet. So I immediately put his calories all the way up to 5,000, which is a big surplus for him. Um, and now we're going to probably stay there until you're ready to until you're ready to come back down to maintenance. But I don't think that's going to happen for a couple of weeks yet. Yeah, I mean, I just look, I, I think what was really interesting for me is I didn't realise how obsessive you become about food. Um, you know, it's one of those bizarre things that you, every conversation was talking about it. You know, so much so that I got one of the producers, you you know, you never know what time it is, you never know what day it is, you never know anything. But one, between one of the trials, I asked him to write down on his phone uh, all the things I wanted to eat when I was out and that was a really way <laughs> cathartic way of like addressing it so I knew that I could have it because honestly we'd could you sit finally relate to me yeah um. yeah I could yeah 100% you know I I, I felt you know uh, I mean again I know you've had to drop down some low to some really low calories before because you know and you obviously talked a little bit about burnout and wanting to go again and kind of finding your um finding your feet again that you'd, you'd got in shape so many times that you'd push your calorie threshold so low that your body wasn't changing mm. you know I'd never been that low you know I've never I've never had uh uh, you know, been down to 200, 300 calories a day, and I never would do again. Now I've started training uh, back at uh, Shoot Fighters and back in the gym. Oh God, can I just say, know. just to be clear about that, I've never pushed my calories that low either. No, no. That's insanely but it, low. It, it's just, it was just one of those bizarre things, that I, and I just realised, and it was the greatest example for me in my entire career about how under-eating, under-fueling to try and do anything is just the worst possible idea. Mm -hmm. Not many people track their food. I know not tracking is for everyone. There are different methods. I know you've got James Smith coming and he doesn't, you know, he believes certain things other people it's just yeah, very interesting I, I think it is yeah I mean it, James Smith and the point that you're making now they do actually cross over really well and I, James Smith is coming on the podcast and I will be speaking to him about this he is staunchly pro and only tracking tracking your calories tracking your macros and there is nothing else now look I track of course it's optimal it's optimal to know what your calorie intake is it's optimal to know what your macronutrient profile is um, it's it, it, it's optimal when it comes to learning about nutrition and food and yourself and what you need to perform and what you need to recover and what you need to lose fat and what you need to gain muscle it's the best option however just because something is a, an ideal option it doesn't mean it's a appropriate for everybody there are a lot of people who i would never recommend tracking to because it makes them so food focused because it makes them 
In the same way, like scales, I have clients who I want to weigh in every week when they do their check-ins. And I have clients who I would absolutely will not ne- let near the scales because everybody's different. Everybody needs a different method to implement. Um, but yeah, I find it really interesting what you're saying about how it made you so food-focused. Yeah, but maybe very food-focused. All my mind was was thinking about was food and that when you restrict your body, it showed me that if I don't feel my body properly for training. So for example, none of my cuts on my body healed. For the pit, and nobody, nobody's cuts here, and they said it was humidity. It was, but there was no nutritional value in anything we we're eating to help speed up your yeah. recovery. Every time you I weren't did... getting any protein, no. so you're, you're so absolutely. Well, I mean, I was getting a vegan version of protein. You know what I mean? We're getting some complete proteins from the beans and the rice, the, you know, yeah. together. But I wasn't having. Yeah, but the thing is, is that when your calories are that low, yeah. I mean, things like little cuts being, it's just... Yeah, no, no, nothing would heal. And then basically I would do a weight, I'd do a training session and I'd pick up the 10 kilo dumbbells and they were like, they were 100 kilo dumbbells and I could yeah. only do six reps of them. And I was out of breath and I'd have to like, I'd be bent double. And then the next day, my shoulders would be killing me. My shoulders would hurt for three days. So I wasn't recovering. So I knew all this, but people didn't know that in there. And what I found really interesting was that taught me a lot about myself. But my, I'm just blown away by the lack of knowledge and why everybody wants to complicate everything when they can't even tell me, give me five good protein sources, five good carbohydrate sources, and five fat sources. Yeah. And why, when I was looking at the menu and food we were given, people were going, you're having 800 calories. I was like, with all due respect, <laughs> crocodile feet, Absolutely I've got not. nothing in it. It's like you, you've got... It's an animal protein, so you've got fats with it, but not enough to make, to warrant anything. The cooking oil was the most saturated fat we, we had out of all that stuff. Piles of vegetables. How right? much cooking oil did you guys well, get? Well, uh, I mean, I, when I cooked the octopus that one night, I drowned in it, and I could see Jacqueline looking at me. But I was like, this is... No, no, no. I was like, we need the fats. I was, I was just wondering if they just gave it to you without thinking about it. Because I, that would have been a strategy of mine is get as much of that cooking no, oil that's what we did. Yeah, I, I, as we can yeah, if, I was it, co- if it's not rationed. I was covering rice. We're trying to have fried rice. We're trying to do everything to get this to get this in there. But then we'd have the fruit. You know, the fruit we, we would have for breakfast. You have bananas and that, you know, that would be a bit of sugar. And, and But even then that was nothing. But then people, you know, either side of the show, I come back out and everybody's obsessed with all these like amazing miracle solutions and people just do not understand how to do it so yeah and how to make uh, make up the food and i think that's why i really like in your book you know with the food bible and the different explanations of of what you know how people can eat but i just think what would be really useful to anyone who follows this this, this podcast or wants to know a little bit more about it is literally understand if you're going to train you have to eat properly if you eat like you're uh if you eat like you're starving, right? And you think you're really helping your body. You're actually going to open yourself up to injury. You're not going to recover. You're going to train like a tit and you're not going to have any ability. Then you're not going to recover. So you're going to be sore for a few more days. You're not going to have energy to function and get on with your life. You've got to eat properly. Stop worrying about going into ketosis and all this other nonsense. Just do me a favor. Learn what a protein is. Learn what a carb is. Learn what a fat is. Understand how that implements that. Understand when you look at your plate every day. What is what and how does it impact on it? And stop believing all this hype and nonsense about everything. Because honestly, it was it was I, literally brought into sharp focus in that jungle experience for me that everybody was just talking nonsense, didn't understand anything. And then I was honestly fading away. And I was going to people going, I'm getting cramp because I've got no salt in my body. Well, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's often magnesium. So listen, you've got no salt in your diet. I, I'm literally drinking 15 litres of, or no, eight litres of water. Yeah. And I'm flushing out my system. Of at, course. You know. I think that there are some really interesting parallels here. I mean, I personally, 
I remember when I first started tracking and I found it really overwhelming and I was really food focused and I found it, it was like having a second job. Honestly, it was really stressful and annoying and I really hated it. But obviously, like everything in life, I learned. It was like getting a new phone or getting a new piece of technology. I learned, I got better, I got quicker and it became habitual. And that applies to literally everything in life. Um, you know, the more you persist, the more you push, the easier it gets and the more habitual it becomes. Um, but I would be lying if I said that I it didn't take me more than two or three weeks to figure out exactly what I was doing and how to do it properly. Actually, probably took me a few months to figure out how to track properly. Um, but a really good thing about meal plans and a really good thing about food Bibles is that it basically teaches you, like you're a child, what is a protein, what is a fat, what is a carb, what is best to have at what time of day. So, for example, carbs and protein pre and post training are ideal for uh, fuel for the for the session, recovery for the session thereafter, and then fats the rest of the time. If you split them up like that, you're going to keep your calories on the lower side because you're splitting up carbs and fats, which are the two energy macros. And if you have fats the rest of the time, you're still nutritionally well balanced. Um, you're still going to have energy throughout the day, and you're still allowing your body to utilize different energy systems. Um, and 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 a meal plan and a food bible is in in my opinion, a really good place to start to learn about that before you then go into tracking. Now, the other side of the argument is no, you know, if you if you start with tracking, then you immediately start to learn about, for example, calories, um, you know, which which you don't necessarily with a meal plan or a food Bible. But then I'm like, well, yeah, but then, you know, portion sizes come into it. But anyway, there's an argument for everything. But um, I would just say that but the people it's know. not one size fits all no, diet. Never. And the reason why fad diet started in the first place is because 99.9% .9 of people don't want to track and don't want to weigh their food in every meal and don't want to be that food focused, you know, from the second they wake up in the morning to the second they go to bed at night. That is how the fad diet was born. People were like, okay, how do we simplify this? How do we make this, you know, easy to do? And that's where Atkins came in and that's where paleo came in and that's where all these diets came in. And I'm not saying that that was the right solution. I'm just as angry at the fad diet movement as the rest of the population but if you if you look at the fact that most people really truly don't want to put the effort into track and you can't force them to want to do that you can then understand how all these diet it, movements were but, born but also do you, see, do you see that a lot of people don't want to put the effort in to get results oh, 100%. Full stop. that's why i yeah. love your clients i watched oh, chloe God. opened up her um her stuff to a whole new online clients and it was amazing you would see the people that do stuff to the letter would train and eat and get unbelievable results and then you just have this absolute sort of back catalogue of bullshit from people as to why they couldn't do it and they failed they mm -hmm. fail and, and that's the difference in life the reason everybody loves a fad diet and loves everything is that people don't understand to track right you've got to get a pair of scales you've got to weigh everything you've got to understand everything you can't guess like I gave a bloke a tracking program and he showed me at the end of the day he was one of my um, people that used to be on my, my team and I said to him why are you not eating dinner and he said I've got no calories left I said what do you mean you've got no calories left and he showed me tracked and he guesstimated and he guesstimated he'd had 100 grams of oats uh, and I went, well, show me the bowl. What did you have a bucket of oats? And it was, no, it was a half a bowl. I was like, there's 30 grams of oats in there. Let me go and demonstrate. Got my portable scales out because I'm an absolute loser. Weighed it and showed him. That's when people, like, if you want to do stuff properly, you, it, it takes time. It's painful. Reason humans love it is they want to go to the path of less resistance. If I'm over here tracking with the scales and Doris is over there eating everything that's beige, well, it's simpler eating everything that's beige, isn't it, than being the nerd over here? And it looks more shiny. If I come into work and go, I'm tracking my calories, like, oh, or Cindy over there, she's only eating fats and high protein. You're like, oh, well, no, well, fucking hell, that sounds really good over there. I'll go and do that. I agree with everything you're saying, absolutely. But, you know, 
the, the problem with the fad diet movement was that it was 100% behavioral and that it didn't, it didn't give anybody any scientific, nutritional, biological understanding of food and the body. So the problem with the fad diet is that there was no education, there was no science there. However, the problem with telling people that the only way that they can be nutritionally healthy and aware is to track is that you're taking out the fact, the very fact that human behavior is key yeah, agreed, to yeah. adhering to a diet, to changing your body, to changing your life in any context. So one of them is purely science focused. And, you know, I'm pro science. I, that, you know, that's I track, you know, and I, I have done for years and years and years and years. One of them is purely behavioral focused. So there's no fact there. There's no understanding behind why people are doing what they're doing. And actually, I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. You know, how are how is everybody and everybody is completely different how is one person going to be able to a implement what they now understand to be you know a diet or whatever it is um versus another i thought personally if i got it i'd be fine young people and sports people we think we'd be okay but the truth is that it can hit any of us hard like i hate not being able to play ga not go out and socialize with my friends the sacrifices are the only way, so we really need to help each other along the way. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Whether you're looking for a mortgage or you need to move your mortgage, you want to be certain that you're making the right choice. You want good value, a quick and easy application process, and a bank that's going to be with you all the way. In other words, a mortgage you'll be right at home with. Talk to a Bank of Ireland mobile mortgage manager and find out how we can help you make the right move. Search Bank of Ireland mobile mortgage manager. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Mortgage approval subject to assessment of suitability and affordability. Bank of Ireland Mortgage Bank trading as Bank of Ireland Mortgages is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Person. So you and I track. Great. That's great. But I talked, talk, I used this example to you last week. Would your mum no. be able to adhere to a diet if we gave her my fitness pal and said, Here, Susie, track your well, food? Adherence Absolutely is the key, not. isn't it? That's all yeah. that matters. So, what I do is I explain to her how many calories are in a glass of wine, why that can be basically replaced, replace an energy macro, ideally carbs, because carbs aren't technically a macronutrient, and we don't need them to survive. Um, so, have that glass of wine with your dinner, which instead of having carbs in it, would be like high in protein and veg. You know, and that's really easy to do. I mean, it's not a hard thing to do. Um, but anyway, look. that's why I really. That's why I really like it. I think that it, as long as you get adherence, it doesn't matter what you do. My only argument is I don't care if you track, don't track, follow a meal plan. Like you've got the food bible, you've got the, the, loads of different ways of doing it from in your new book. I just think the point is that just have a little bit of time and research around why you're doing it and just stop, don't believe everything you read and understand. Yes, like, do some research. Just do some research and understand that there's no point going, you know, if you don't run to the end of the finish line in a 100-meter race, if you, if you don't know how to put one foot in front of the other or why you're doing it, there's no point buying the best trainers if you're morbidly obese and you can't run or that you don't understand how to run or oh, you don't understand the technique. You've got to try to put those pieces together and be better. But it's again, it's people will, will read these things and these exciting things and it's just, do you know what? the most boring thing is is here's a meal plan or here's some tracking stick to some food and understand what you're putting in your mouth oh that's rubbish i tell you what i'm gonna do i'm not gonna eat for six days and then i'm gonna just gonna only eat fats and protein or i'm not gonna do that i'm gonna only eat things that fell out of a tree it's like why well because someone at work said we're gonna do it i just if anyone's got any endeavors and there's gonna be a whole new year new you thing i've got two piece advice don't go running 
are on, you know, I've said this many a time, don't go running because it is so boring and you see everybody on the 1st of January, everyone get, goes out and they're wearing the green flash plimsolls, inappropriate <laughs> shoes, they've got the music on, they run halfway down the block, realise they're really unfit, realise their joints hurt, bore, uh, running shit, you know, on January 3rd, the trainers are in the bin and you're not going to do it anymore. No one's ever gone, bloody hell, I want a body like Mo Farah, so stop running, go to the gym, do something, bloody go, hell. go, bloody hell, go, you know, get Chloe's weights book, understand how you want to change your body, realise if you're glued to a cardio machine for the rest of your life, you're not going to get the rig you want. You're not going to get it. You know, you could literally, you can get, you get really thin, which is brilliant. That's for some people, that's what you want. And I'm, ne- I would never tell you how you should look. I'm just telling you that if you've got any kind of aesthetic changes, you want to use that rank, non-existent word "toned," which means reduction in body fat. Uh, you know, you want to have some muscle, but not too much muscle. Uh, you need to lift weights. You're not going to actually get on the cross trainer and suddenly build the quads you want, or the arms you want, or the shoulders you want, or the chest you want, or the abs you want. You know, you might reduce your body fat to show the abs you already had, but you've just got to understand that. So please, people, get a, get a plan and don't go running because you'll never stick to it. And it's so depressing and boring. Okay. Good rant, sorry. No, I love it. I love that we're ranting, but I'm just aware that we are already running out of time. Are we? And other than... <laughs> Why don't we just do an extended one? Just... Because you have to go, remember? Uh, oh yeah, I've got to go and train. <laughs> To be a fighter, which seems like a bloody good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. I have I've expressed openly my yeah. thoughts on you becoming yeah. a fighter. Yeah. You cried, I think, was the first. No, I did not you cry. You did. You did cry. That's you did cry. You did crap. cry. Chloe, you cry at everything. Every event. Uh, I every do dinner. cry at everything, but I didn't cry at that. You did. You cried and said, I, I signed up to be a rugby player. I've seen you be in hospital. I don't want to see you get beaten up. And I said, well, you're better fucking... <laughs> lump it because that's what's going to happen um, and, then, and then you go to me you might find it sexy yeah, you I was might. like yeah. but this is again objectivity comes into it so, go, so we've just talked about I'm a Celebrity and I'm sure so many listeners will be like oh boo hoo it was a TV show get a grip like what's yeah. wrong with you but this is what I mean is that like if you're not actually doing it or you're not actually witnessing somebody you loved it you don't actually realise the penny doesn't actually ever have to drop holy crap, this is really, really hard and they're in hell and I have to watch them be in hell and then it just gets, it gets like quite like difficult and, uh, but then this is the same thing is that like some people will be like, oh, you know, boo-hoo, he's going to be a fighter, everything. I do not in any way, shape or form want to, will find it sexy or entertaining to watch you either hurt somebody else or somebody else hurt you. Like, But then I feel like a bad wife. I feel like I'm not being supportive. And I need to like get my shit together and just be like down to ride and in your corner. And again, no pun intended. And like Mm. screaming and shouting for you. But I'm just, everyone keeps saying to me, like, you can't not go to the fight because I keep saying I don't want to go. And I'm like, but then what am I going to do? It's, un- look, it's an unknown. I think I think I've got to respect it. I d- you know, you, you you married me as a rugby player, and I retired, and now I'm a DJ, public speaker slash cage fighter. It's a bit of an odd combination. So I think you 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 know, I think that's not a problem. I don't got no problem with that. I think just on the jungle thing, I think you're exactly right. I just think that what you don't see is the 24 hour period condensed down to one hour. What the families and friends don't see is that you know when I'm getting mugged off by the media and social media, you have to fight it. I'm completely oblivious in that. That was the hardest thing for me: the food and the lack of instant feedback. You know, you've played such a massive role in my life. I've always, I don't watch any of the press. I'm, I don't read any of the press. I don't watch anything I'm in unless I need to get some feedback from somebody, which I'll go and ask because I always want to improve in everything. But I don't think there's any benefit in reading your own press, good or bad. Um, you know, you do that and you give me the feedback. But I think out there, you know, when I had those couple of episodes and when, when you know, in 2019, this is the stock and phrase thing of everybody. 
I'm offended to change my mind. Everyone wants to complain about something. The world's a bit of a miserable place at the moment. You know, we've got Brexit. We've got Donald Trump in America. We've got all the wheels falling off. We've got, you know, social inequality at its biggest. We've got all these kind of things going on. So someone seeing somebody speak to someone in a way they don't like, everyone wants to go completely mad. All the journalists want to go completely mad. It was very hard for you. And I think that it was hard for me in there because of the food. Nothing else was hard. I was doing a TV show. Putting tarantulas on me, I couldn't give a shit. You know, being buried alive, couldn't care less. I was very honoured to be surrounded by actual proper celebrities. You know, I don't know how I quite got in under the radar. Um, but I think, you know, there is context to everything. And I think people have to appreciate that. And I think with the fighting thing, look, it's it's a bit of a bizarre situation. Uh, you know, I never wanted to be a rugby player. I never wanted to be a fighter. Now, I, now I've managed to do both. Well, hopefully going to do both. I enjoy it. And I think that at some point I know that you will support me, but you don't have to like it. I think, you know, but you... I, I, just, I just was relieved that I got I wanted to spend the next year mending your body and within yeah. five months you were like I'm going to become a fighter yeah, I was yeah. like what the hell are you talking about well this is actually what I wanted to talk to you about because we um, are very close to the end and I have not asked you one question mm. on this um, I suppose oh, wow I mean where to even start now I feel like we've already had such such big maybe chats. you should get me getting back for a bonus show if this one goes down, goes down well no, I do actually there are a couple of shows that I'm thinking about getting you to come in and be a part of. Um, okay, fine. Well, look, why don't you... You've you've started training mm. prof, in a professional capacity when you were, what, 14? Yes. How old are you when you joined Wasp Academy? Uh, 16. 16. So, the I mean, look, you know, my book, Transform Your Body with Weights, is a weightlifting book with different goals in there. There's performance goals. Um, there is hypertrophy, which is muscle building goals. There's fat loss goals. There's endurance training, strength training. I mean... Do you want to talk a little bit about the various types of training that you did while you were a professional rugby player? How that changed in the five months that you retired and actually you started coming to the gym with me, which was the best for me ever. Um, we and what to purchase it, a David Lloyd membership for the first time. Yeah. Other gym memberships are available. Well, if they are, um, fucking give me one. <laughs> <laughs> and how and, and what your training looks like now that you've decided to go into MMA and and kind of how all these different disciplines differ in terms of how you move your body um and why fine okay so look everything i've always done with the training um you know excluding the, the early days when i was a bit of a lost lost person i was living off men's health magazines and you know in terms of you know doing different fads different training i thought i was a bodybuilder and forgot i was a rugby player you know everything in my later st stage of my career was all goal focused and that's the most important thing and i think why your book's brilliant is you've got to go into it with a goal you know, don't do not ever embark on a fitness routine that's why i, I do the tongue-in-cheek thing about running is that you think you need to do something so you just go and do it when actually you know what you're what you need to do and what you want to change for your own personal thing could be a completely different thing now your idea of a healthy lifestyle might be going to play five aside three times a week with your mates that might be enough that might be enough to burn enough calories you might be having a very active lifestyle that might be enough for you to, to have the little bit of weight reduction you want or the, the healthy feeling or the competitive edge so with my rugby training uh, actually the later part of my my career I was very rarely in the gym you know I was always labeled a meathead I look like a meathead I am a meathead I've got good genetics I've what always what does a meathead even mean though uh, a meathead I think is somebody that they feel is, is of low intelligence is is this some... is ridiculous so you look like an athlete mm. you look like a genetic freak of nature mm. i got very lucky there <laughs> um you're one of the most intelligent people i've ever met 
Yeah, but I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just what you label it. You know, it, rugby fans, sports people always said to me, get out of the gym if you were better at, you know, better at rugby, it'd help you. You know, you're immobile, you can't move, you can't run, you know, you can't speak, you're too dumb. You know, yes. I mean, whatever, all the, all the stuff that lovely, pleasant people in this world that I wouldn't piss on if they were on fire say... <laughs> Um, is 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 what it is. So that's what I was labelled as. And um, but I spent very very little time in the gym. My goal was uh, consistently performance. So in my early career, I forgot that I was having to perform on the weekend. I used to try to one rep max in training. I was doing extra boxing, extra jiu-jitsu. I was fighting. I was doing running uh, sprint coach with Margot Wells. I was seeing Phil Learning for my nutrition. I was doing all this kind of bits and pieces, which I thought were brilliant. But by the time I got to game time, I was I was uh, low on energy and sore. When I started um, doing some work with my mate Trav, who's who. Uh, um, uh, RT, RTS, uh, you know, resistance training specialist, um, and it does his kind of um, trigger He's point. An MT, right? A muscle uh, technician. Yeah, MAT, yeah, yeah, technician as well. Um, you know, he said to me, listen, you're going to game sore, you're doing too much. I then realized actually I needed to adjust my goals. So mobility was a massive one. So I then would spend a lot of time doing mobility. Strength uh, could be maintained, but what was important was working on what I was good at. So that was a lot more ta- focusing on tackling, ball carrying, body position, acceleration. You know, everybody recommends stuff in training in rugby clubs and then I would point out halfway through the season when they said oh you're not as mobile as you want I went what about my training looks like mobility oh we're supposed to do it in your extra time no no you've got me for seven hours a day yeah. You know, well, you know, we think you can work on your acceleration. Okay, what what extra acceleration training have you done? Oh well, oh well. It's like no. So if you've got a goal, it's got to, it's got to look like that. So the England coaches were so good though, because then they would let you come in and train with yeah. them on your free time because the clubs weren't yeah. giving you. Yeah, and that's what you know. Eddie was like, you know, your training needs to look like this. So if he ever said I need you to be faster, I would be doing a load of speed. If he said I need you to hit better. I'll be doing tackling. Whereas at rugby clubs, you, you get all these goals and nothing about training looks anything like you're supposed to do and it's ridiculous. And then you realise that you... But, you know, then people say being a professional athlete is not about the nine to five, it's the five to nine. Well, that's fine. But if you're, if you're at work for nine hours a day, you'd think in nine hours a day they'd be able to fit in what you're supposed to do yeah, and absolutely. make stuff focus for individuals. And like also, like in terms of your recovery, both mentally and physically, it's important that as a performance athlete, you have time to switch yeah. off because... You can't be in that like parasympathetic state all the time. It's like it's not going to work. No, I mean that's what you know. That's what I struggled with a bit. So you know, and then uh, so I I was in the gym for one strength session. So that would be lower body and upper body. I would do a power session. I would do mobility every other day, and I spent everything else out on the training field doing acceleration, top ups, and I would do a lot of underwater swimming, low impact or or uh, what bike stuff to as my fitness top ups. Um, you know, when I finished playing, my goals completely changed. Nothing about. Uh, that training was about aesthetically looking good. Yes, there was an element of vanity, but I tracked all my food and I trained when I was playing. I ate and, and, and did stuff better than, than I say 90% of people out there. You were there. very active. You trained in a really well-rounded manner. And then what you did was you kept an eye on your nutrition to make sure that you had the physique maintenance that you personally wanted. Yeah. And I think, you know, other other players like Matt Mullen, I used to play with at, at Was, and he would bring Tupperware food. We'd bring Tupperware. I would have food with me. I would pr- prepare meals. I had a good understanding. But other players would, you know, would, would sort of follow suit over the years. Same thing at Northampton. You know, I would track all my food. Unfortunately, my body let me down. I didn't get to play as much as I would want for that amazing club. But I, I love how they kind of welcome me. But even the training with them, I was doing more acceleration. I was doing footwork stuff, all things that would help me. Uh, but again, you know, they, they told me they would do that. We, we To start with, it wasn't... Saints were fantastic. Yeah, they were fantastic. But even the training to start with, you know, they, they said they weren't going to do certain things. And they, they went away from that because... They're obviously as a, as a as a training uh, fitness team, they have 
to work for everybody. They don't yeah. have that ability to be individualized. Yeah. But then they realized actually my work ethic and everything else, I could be individualized. And, and Eamon was uh, one of the fitness guys there was brilliant. He he really helped me put extra time in and I was able to... Who's the one I like? Uh, Eamon, I think. Gucci Al... Oh, Gucci Alpaca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him on Instagram, yeah he's guys. lovely. Yeah. What, what is his... Um, I um, call him Mr. Shifu, but no, uh, I, he I was mean, a conditioner, his, a training conditioner. I'm not sure what um, a training conditioner at Saints. Yeah, he's, well, he's actually not at Saints anymore. I don't know where he is now at the moment. Uh, we'll follow him. him. Yeah, Gucci Alpaca on on Instagram. So he was brilliant. He did used to do pad work and boxing with me as a top up conditioning. Then when I retired, I went completely the other way. I was never intending to to run ever again because of my 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 injuries. Yeah. Um, and I was never intending to play rugby ever again because if I could still play, I'd be doing it. I don't want to play in any veterans games. I've got no interest in in any of that nonsense. I'd rather the DJ commentate yeah they they get all you know people go to Bermuda people go to Hong Kong playing these tens all these ex-players always playing like legends games you never see me do any of that ever no no because you physically can't no I know but a lot of people do though you know so that's why I retired but then when I got I started got bought my own gym membership shock I know everyone has to do that but I thought you know I might get a little discount but no Um, (laughs) you thought some gym manager somewhere who would be a fan of rugby would just give him turns out no one gives a a shit and obviously rightly so rightly so I shouldn't you know I should only pay for this no but I feel like as a professional athlete you maybe earn a kickback of a gym membership I can see but other people have to pay for it and everything else that you know and I already know people think I was born with a silver spoon up my ass or in your mouth or, or actually a bit of both um, so you wish yeah, I wish it was yeah big spoon no, and um, so basically I then uh, so I got my David Lloyd membership and I and I and Ben Franks my partner in my CBD oil company by the way any of the listeners who are into CBD oil um, I've got Impact CBD which is unbelievable I use it all the time for uh, you know post training for recovery for sleep everything else which is which is brilliant um, and, and it plays a massive role in, in everything I'm doing but Ben Franks is hugely into his training and one of the probably the most professional rugby players I've ever met yeah, um, you know makes me look like an amateur and he him and I've teamed up and he he started giving me these training programs uh, and Chloe and I would go to the gym and I was purely hypertrophy I was doing um, you know probably 45 minutes to 50 minutes of hypertrophy 20 minutes of cardio all about beach weights I went from 121 kgs down to 112.7 following Chloe's nutrition I was lean mean ready to, to go you looked on believable and then I and then I signed but that's the difference between being a physique athlete yeah. I mean you already looked unbelievable you already had a body that people try their whole lives to get and never get to and that was credit to A your genetics and B your your, your professional um, discipline sportsmanship yeah. yeah I mean and, and, and also the your history of training um, so you already had a f- phenomenal body but when we shifted your diet and training to physique oh my god and that was it great was you know, insane we... what you did in like it's you. You started to look markedly different in like two weeks. Yeah. Which again, like this is, again, guys, genetics do play a role here. Like he responds very well, and he's got a really good history, um, physically under his belt. So yeah. But then, so Karen, so then you went. Yes. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so we were, so we, we were having a great time. And I lost my gym buddy. And, and then we went. You know, we were doing the start hypertrophy, and we did we did a massive focus on time under tension. You know, where we would be doing. Uh, it was one set, one set. So you do do a couple of pre warm up sets, and you would do one set, five seconds up, five. seconds seconds down yeah, it's cadence a, training, yeah with like an optimum and it was actually from tim tim ferris timothy ferris's stuff that he mm. one of his things that chloe's a bit iffy on mm. i know some of the stuff he comes out with can sometimes be a bit an acquired taste but basically they were saying that if it was something like a minute no, cadence cadence training is a, is, a, is a great way to uh, stimulate the muscle i mean it's a really good thing to do um 
it's not that. No, but we were doing, so we did a bit of German volume training and then we converted to this time under tension stuff and essentially it was five seconds up, five seconds down. But each set would be, you'd be a minimum working for one minute 30 and ideally longer. So you had to drop all your weight and you were completely exhausted and you had to pair up and do it. And I found that worked really well for me. But in the truest sense of the word, you need to go to failure and doing it on your own is not always easy. So I would maybe end up doing a couple of sets, but so slowly, like one, two, three, four, five on the concentric and eccentric parts of it. Um, and my body reacted really well and I, and I got really lean. Then I signed for Bellator uh, on a three-fight deal and I realised I was fighting at heavyweight. So I, was one nine, I had to be up at 119 kgs maximum. So then I went back in the other way and just got fully into um, uh, adding calories into my diet and I started training at Shoot Fighters. The very first session I wore my heart rate monitor and uh, for an hour stand-up I burnt 1,200 calories and then I did another hour of wrestling and I'd burnt like 2,500 calories in my very first session and I was like this energy requirement is completely different than rugby yeah. and it is horrific so up your calories went and the hydration because we were training somewhere and I was literally losing two litres of water uh, oh or, my God, or two like, kgs guys, of water every time James you think you know sweating James comes back from his training sessions at shoot fighters is it shoot fighters or street fighters shoot fighters me, it's shoot the same. fighters no. um and he is, it is honestly, swear to God, like he has just stepped into a pool and stepped back out again. There is not a dry, like, millimetre on his body. It is disgusting. And when I was playing rugby, if I did a training session on my own, say I was working out for an hour, I'd burn 600 calories, you know, 700 calories on a, on a really good day. That would be a horrific fitness session. I'm burning 1,000 calories on my own in gym sessions now. And that's, you know, with a bit of a warm-up, but it's, you know, f- uh, flat out on cardio machines. It's, you know, five that's times three minutes, training. five minutes, four minutes, three, you know, three rounds of five minutes, shadow boxing, skipping, uh, you know, flat out work. And it's incredible. I've never... If people are just wondering, like, how? How is that? It's high intensity work that is very unforgiving in times yeah. of rest periods. That's how. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you an example of it, just one quick session. And it, just, just, to, just to butt in as well, if you're not training for a fight or something like that, I would not recommend that you do that type of training every day. Um, at most, I would say every other day. Um, but yes, obviously that doesn't apply no, if exactly. you're actually trying, about to get into an octagon, a pentagon. I, <laughs> like I thought I was getting into the pentagon. I wish I was. Um, <laughs> but no, so basically I'll give you an example session. So I go in and I do five minutes on a, on a rower or, or or, or a, a fixed bike, warm myself up, stretch, mobility, banded stretching. And then I'll do uh, five two-minute rounds of shadow boxing, uh, flat out, uh, you know, with a minute's rest in between. Uh, I would then maybe either do, um, you know, three, five minutes on a, on a rower uh, with a minute rest in between. So five minutes flat out, a minute rest, five minutes flat out, a minute's rest. Uh, skipping, you know, uh, five rounds of one minute flat out skipping, uh, you might put a Tabata circuit in there of kind of 10 exercises, 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off. Uh, and, you know, you're burning a thousand calories and then you've obviously got to hydrate and eat. So my training is completely different now. Uh, I still have a massive focus on on mobility uh, and I need to keep doing that because obviously my body is set from years of playing rugby. I'm 34. I've played for 19 and a half seasons. I need to adjust myself but that's kind of my my training evolution um you know i think when i've retired i'll go back to the physique stuff which we were doing but you know at the moment when we go to gym we, we pass our separate ways because your requirements are completely different than mine and yeah. everything i do is either mobility cardio recovery or high intensity yeah. and james, that's it uh, james is a performance athlete again now 
and I am a physique-based athlete. So our training requirements are completely different. Um, and I would say the only thing really that, that syncs up, that matches up for both of us is the need to recover well. And mm. actually in Transform Your Body With Weights, there is a whole section at the end on recovery. I mean, I talk about everything from um, sauna use to rest days to hydration to supplements. I mean, I really Sauna's try and cover wicked. it. Oh, I mean, if, I could do a whole podcast just based on that research and and um, and uh, trials by itself. It's uh, if you have access to a sauna. Use it, but guys. But people should read. The thing that people always ask you, we, we talked about in the car when I've did my book and you've done your your new book now. People always go, where do you start? It's like, read the whole book cover to cover because oh, yeah, no, nothing's wasted. Nothing's wasted in there. Oh, yeah. I uh, say that in the beginning of Transforming Body with Weights. I say, I don't care if you are, you know, are a beginner with an endurance goal um, or if you're an advanced lifter with a hypertrophy goal or a strength and performance goal. Read the book cover to cover because it is only going to help you better understand your body, your goals, your time spent in the gym, your time spent out the gym, nutrition. Um, just read everything. And then also, you then you kind of, you get the ability to cherry pick what does and doesn't mm. work for you in your life. But then you'll get a, you'll get a deeper understanding of knowledge and know when, it, when it's applied. Like, I, you know, as I said, when I came out of jungle, recovery was a massive issue. I, I've, I've seen now that when I decided if I ever, I could never do the training I'm doing fasted now. Ridiculous. I just would never do it. I'd be no. unable to to do it you know if I don't eat properly now before I train I realize I'm really inhibiting myself because I saw how it affected myself in the jungle I now know if I don't eat properly and recover properly after training I'm cheating myself yeah. and that's such a neglected thing I know that if I don't do mobility beforehand do mobility afterwards you know I, it's not I'm not going to get the results I need and that jungle was a great experience for that and really showed me the power of food the power of hydration the power of the right food uh, the power of understanding your goals and, 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 and how to do it and also my training evolution you know I've, I've been a strength athlete a power athlete a fitness athlete a performance athlete you know i've been a bodybuilder i'm now going back down to being a high intensity performance athlete and everything in my life is about doing that i will not be sidetracked by fads stupid diets other bits and pieces you know the only thing i've introduced is once every two weeks is is a 24-hour fast that we might build up depending to a 40-hour maximum mm. because i want my body it's got high anti-inflammatory markers i want my body to try to to recover and and, and clean itself and obviously i think there's there's a huge process of anti-aging with that if you get it right and you do it for a prolonged oh, period. Intermittent fasting is an incredible thing to do for your body and people who poo-poo it poo-poo it because uh, a lot of people are using it as a very misguided quote-unquote diet tool. Um, but in terms of um, human biology and the science of the body, it is an incredible thing to do for your body. Um again intermittently so don't just do what Milo did and jump right into a six day fast right off the bat but um, it, it is a great thing to do and okay well look Jim Jam I feel like we have really had some serious rants, which mm. to, I'm not going to lie, for us, it's pretty, pretty normal. I feel like we haven't really touched the surface on loads. Of, I think we should do some in-depth stuff on all this stuff. I'm just aware that you have some gnarly-ass fighters to get to. I and do, if yeah. you're late, they're, they're probably going to make your session even worse. It's so funny. James comes home from uh, fight training now like he's just played a rugby, a rugby game. He's just covered in... In cuts, bruises, and and scrapes, and really I'm just like, I just know hickeys if you're late. Girls, and I was like, Chloe. I was like, you have hickeys all over your like, neck. I... What the 
fuck have you been doing? He was like, I've been in fight training. Yeah, she was I was like, like oh, can I He still didn't believe watch? it. He was still a bit suspicious. <laughs> she was still, it was only when I went, babe, these are, these are not kiss marks. These are like, and you were like, are you sure? And I was like, yes. Oh, yeah, because then I saw a video of someone choking someone out. And I was like, oh, that's what it looks yeah. like. That makes sense. But look, you have got to go. And I am gutted because I do feel like we've had some pretty epic rants. But there was so much more to go through. I think oh, I had a list of 20 questions and I asked you one of them. Well, why don't Literally we... one. Why don't we get some feedback on the show? If people like it and want to hear more, I'll come back on. I'll do an extra bonus one. Yeah, like, you know, and maybe maybe we'll have be a bit less ranty next time. Well, I think but I feel like good. actually our episode in series one was just really like a conversation. Yeah. But I think that actually a lot of people might learn from this one. Well, you never know. Um, well, look, you've got a couple minutes left. Mm. So I'll let you say whatever the hell you want to say about training, nutrition, yourself, anything that you yeah. want to promote, whatever it is. Um, and then you can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, uh, firstly, thanks very much. Obviously, make sure you pick up a copy of Transform Your Body With Weights. It's amazing. It's, it's not just. It's not just... Um, limited uh, again for women i think uh, it, men will find a lot of details in there there's a lot of confusion over you know men and women 99 percent of the time would lift the same weights and train the same way there's obviously certain body parts that they don't need and women might require more cardio to reduce that body fat etc because they retain more of it but you know it, it works both for men and for women um you know i've got, got my house rugby podcast if you want a bit more of an injection of that, that that's out now and can i also just butt in here and say that what i love about house of rugby is that it's not you tell amazingly hilariously entertaining rugby stories but you don't talk about like really boring no. crap like the league table is that what it's called Screw like, that, yeah. I, I don't even know what the league table is either we don't care <laughs> but no it's not about rugby you know, that's the biggest compliment we get um, and then again you know, if you're into your house music you're looking to train obviously if you listen to the podcast and hopefully you do I've got something called Bat Row Radio it's available on Spotify um, and Apple Music it's free it's a house tech house and techno uh, music show that I produce and done myself on episode 7 we've had, we've had 370,000 downloads on it which is um, not bad for episodes up to episode 7 um, and then, oh, there's just one clear thing up. Um, when I came out of Jungle, the Daily Star uh, ran an article that Chloe and I engaged in a sex marathon, which was utter, utter fucking hours. bullshit. It was just bullshit. Um, I don't know what the law is with just talking absolute smack, but they did that, and then a Daily Mail ran with that. And now every time Chloe and I appear, it's mentioned with a sex marathon. I was not interested in anything. It doesn't matter if the whole, you know, Victoria's Secret model team were in the um, in the in my team. team. They were a team in my mind. <laughs> All wearing matching uniforms uh, <laughs> in the hotel room, you know, going, James, listen, we desperately need you to sleep with all of us to save our lives. I would have sent them all away and just eaten food. And I was tired and I was miserable. There was no sex marathon. I mean, listen, you know, business is back to usual and very professional usual. Um, highly ranked and highly, you know, performing. Trip advisors giving me five stars, but from Chloe Maidley. I haven't been on there. So <laughs> yeah, 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 have, who's yeah. been going on trip advisors? Don't lie to make friends. Um, Someone but, calls Shmame Shmame. Yeah, oh, good old Shmame. Five stars. Yeah, he's so technical. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I mean, that's basically what I'm saying. So just don't believe everything you read. Please look in and research around any subject. If you don't know what protein, carbohydrates and fat is, stop worrying about stupid diets. Take a bit of time to understand. Preach. Look down at your plate, plate and understand what it all works. And, and basically, if you want to get complicated... First of all, find a plan you believe in. Choose a goal. Well, choose a goal. Choose a plan you believe in. Actually stick to it. Stop being sidetracked. Understand what makes up the food. You're never going to get the body you want without without getting that food knowledge. Avoid stupid fads. Avoid a bullshit. And if you ever hear anyone with dogma saying, this is the only way, this is the only way to do things, then just switch off, delete, and move on. <laughs> I agree with almost everything you just said, apart from the trip advisor thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love you very much. Love you Happy one-year wedding anniversary. Happy one-year 
you very much. Thank you for a fantastic weekend and um, getting me through this podcast because I have felt like vomiting the entire way. But I love you very much and thank you for coming on. And hopefully this is not the last that we'll be hearing of of old ranty Jim Jam on the podcast. And have have a great day, guys. And make sure you tune in next week for another amazing guest. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. I know I promised this last time, but Tyrone Brennan is coming on next week. So make sure that you tune in because we're going to talk about how he got started in the fitness industry and how it can benefit you. I didn't think of it that way, of risking your life going to work. But seeing my colleagues pass away in our own ICU, it's just heartbreaking. Please stick with us for a while and just make our lives a little bit easier. And then we can all be together again. Behind every case, there's a story. Protect yourself and each other. Be antiviral. Hear more at antiviralireland.com. Supported by the Government of Ireland. Podcast Network.